welcome to another episode of Axe of the Blood God, an independent RPG podcast. I am your host, Kat Bailey. Joining me, as always, my lovely co-host, Nadia Oxford. Hello, Kat. How is the week treating you? It's probably another busy one. As always, I mean, we're going to be talking about why it was exactly, yeah. it was such a busy week in this week's episode. People have all been like, oh my god, this week's episode of Axe of the Blood God is going to be lit. Holy cow, because it's going to be. It's such a lit episode. <laughs> the litest. Also joining me, you can hear that laugh in the background. It's Eric Van Allen. Mm-hmm. The some might say the dad rock of podcasters. You know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Before this episode started, during the pre-show, we were we were delving deep into musical discourse and what music we enjoy listening to. And one of the questions we had was was uh, is Rush the greatest dad rock band of all time? Mm-hmm. Which uh, I think it might be. It's definitely. Uh, my dad doesn't like Rush, though. Your dad doesn't really? like Rush. Oh my gosh! Yeah. Are we going to have a feud between Eric, uh, Eric and Nadia? Because honestly, no, I'm here. Our for dads it. are going to fight. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he doesn't hate Rush. He's just kind of like, yeah, he's he's fine. Um, Next Patreon tier is Eric and Nadia's dad fighting. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just Holy crap. To call my dad. I'd be like, look, Dad, we gotta talk. All right. You got to fight somebody. We hit 8,000. <laughs> oh, a new tier. <laughs> Probably should have told you a while ago so you could train for this. But honestly, I wanted you, you know, to have that survival instinct. My dad needs a knee replacement. Your dad will kick his ass. Honestly, I'm putting money on Nadia's dad because he was the one crazy enough to sell to shout. What was that during the uh, this while sitting Shiva? <laughs> oh, God, right. Oh no. Uh, ladies and gentlemen of the <laughs> post show, you probably we had a, a discussion where my and where my father shouted out now he sacrificed the baby during sitting Shiva for my aunt. <laughs> it's a long story if you want to hear it. It's it's back in one of the pre-show uh, post shows. So um yeah, it's he's crazy. I'm not saying he's not crazy, but physically I don't think he's up to it. Uh, my dad drives a motorcycle, so I don't know is Holy the motorcycle shit. allowed to enter the arena? <laughs> uh, like meatloaf yeah, oh, I was thinking more like that party Yak is a zero. I don't know if you've all played it, but uh, where the guy comes screaming down the sewer pipe <laughs> with a bat and a, and a motorcycle, uh, blaring uh, moving pictures <laughs> out of speakers on the back. Eric's dad is secretly Wario from Super Smash Brothers. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, I mean it runs in the family. You know, I, I look up to Wario and my father. So. Ah. <laughs> Well, speaking of Wario, yes, we're going to be talking about Nintendo this week because there was another Nintendo Direct last week, and there were a ton of JRPGs announced. We'll be discussing all of them. We'll also be delving into a little bit into Lost Ark, which came out over the weekend, available now, free-to-play. It's the newest free-to-play sensation since New World, which, um, well, we all know how that kind of went. Will Lost Ark <laughs> manage to stick around? We'll discuss. We'll also be talking about Eric. We'll be doing the Untitled Eric segment. We'll be visiting Nadia's Nostalgia Pit. And, of course, we'll be choosing four more games as candidates for the top 25 RPGs of all time. Before we get to all of that, a little bit of housekeeping. If you enjoy the show, thanks very much. We really appreciate it. Leave us a review on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or the Podcatcher of your choice. It brightens our day and it does help the visibility of the podcast. Thank you so much to our stars of Destiny who are, avail- are joining us 
They're the ones who are in the live chat right now. And tonight we have Teets, Abby the Moon, Azixa, Beware the Slimes, Darren Deer, Drew RWX, Dr. Horror, EJ, Not Hollow, Sardin, Spirus, Weeblord, and Zoo Batman. We thank you so much for your amazing support. And it's always a party in the Stars of Destiny live <laughs> chat during these live recordings. Kind of a mosh pit. Eric was sharing his mosh pit stories earlier, so it's, kind of, it's a blood god mosh pit. I'm getting punched in the kidneys again. <laughs> I can't take another one. I'm old now. <laughs> and if you want to join it, you can go over to Patreon, patreon.com slash bloodgodpod, where you'll get access to tons of exclusive content, including our pantheon of the Bloodgod episodes. We just recorded a special about Tactics RPGs, the Acts of the Blood God Guide to Tactics RPGs. And hey, we're only $60 away from our stretch goal in which if we hit $6,000, we will be a, we will be playing um, a tabletop campaign. We'll be doing it live. It'll be available to everybody via a stream. And we'll turn that into a podcast. And I'm getting a little nervous that we're actually going to hit this because then I have to actually plan it out. So this is going to be fun. <laughs> I'm looking forward to it. Uh, I'll have to think of a character. But of course, I have to wait until we see what uh, what campaign we're following. Okay, let's talk about what we have been playing. And it's release season, February, the hottest time of the year in the calendar, mm -hmm. apparently. Mm -hmm. Eric, what have you been playing? I finally get to talk about the game I've been teasing for like, I think it's been two weeks now. I would have been able to talk about oh. it on the last pod if we didn't do live shows, <laughs> but the embargo was on the weirdest day. So we're here now. I can talk about Sifu. Uh, I played through all of Sifu, uh, both the normal ending and the true ending. And boy, does my left wrist hurt. Uh, <laughs> How old were you, you when you when you won? What I won, I think I was in my 50s or so, but that was the the fruits of of many labors trying to get that age low. So so let's set up like the idea of what Sifu is, because I think it is something that literally is like an up and down curve, uh, like a bell curve of understanding. So it starts at one end and the pitch is very simple, right? You are the student of a master who is killed by five martial arts badasses. And you spend eight years training to go take them all down. Very revenge story. It's martial arts focused. Uh, I do think that one of the things that people should probably look into in terms of criticism is seeing how uh, it used or did not use or maybe use the set dressing the elements of Asia, China specifically, because that is an area that I am personally not well educated in. But I've been watching a lot of critics who are well educated and talk about it. It's been interesting to follow. Mm -hmm. um anyways sorry this is a really big game to talk about uh the the you idea is explain sifu okay yeah, go ahead yeah, yeah. Go no ahead. don't worry i'm getting there it's this is kind of the tough part about sifu and one of the like the biggest knocks against is that i think it is mechanically very dense uh for for not a lot of benefit that it gets out of it uh, the idea is that every time you fall in battle, you can spend your XP and then rise again at the cost of years off your life. So you you start out at age 20 in the first level, level one, and say some dude kicks you in the face and you die. <laughs> well, you <laughs> can get back up and your death counter is going to roll up to one. And when you rise, when you get back up, your, your magical family medallion is going to bring you back at age 21. 
Now, the hard cutoff for age in this game is 70. And every time you die, that adds to the death counter. And the death counter is how many years get added to your life. So when you fall at 21, your death counter goes up to two. And now when you rise back up, you're 23, 26, 30. Like you can kind of see how it exponentially ramps up. There are ways you can lower that death count over time. But really, the whole idea is that you're. I think some people are calling it a roguelite. I don't think I necessarily agree with that characterization. I think it's more like a run, almost like you're building a task, if that makes sense, or like you're building a best of each section where you're trying to clear an area at a low level or a low age, I should say, to get on to the next. So that way you have more years to work with when you're in the next one. And along the way, you're fighting a bunch of bad guys. You're doing sick punches and kicks. It's a really, I mean, it is legitimately the best 3d beat em up i've ever played straight up and and previously i would have put absolver which was slow clap the studio slow claps previous game up on that pedestal like as a competitor for that i think sifu has evolved past absolver i think it is absolutely the cleanest most fluid most interesting 3d brawler i i have played uh and it has frankly incredible boss fights like on the level in my opinion of like from software bosses uh, I think some of those bosses are absolutely fantastic, wonderful encounters. I know a lot of people are kind of mixed on some of them because they do require a lot of parrying. And that's the other thing is this is a very mechanically demanding game. You have to yeah. parry, you have to dodge, you have to get your combos in, you have to be able to read attacks very fast. A lot of people have made comparisons to fighting games. Uh, so all that said, it is a very difficult game that I found extremely rewarding to beat. And I would also say that you want to know what you're getting into before you get into this game. <laughs> um, yeah, as, as Teeps pointed out, uh, Sean, who's the second boss in the game, big dude with a staff, will really mess up early game players and will kind of force you to adapt and understand the systems a little bit better. But the cool thing is it it feels rewarding in that I got to the point where now I don't die on Sean anymore. I know every single one of his moves. I can block and manage every single one of them. So it's he like Hades. Yeah. yeah, if if Hades was like really cranking the knob up high, because I think and this is one criticism that I think is fairly levied at this game. And I think they're even looking at addressing because today there was some late breaking stuff coming out that they were talking about adding an easier difficulty and a harder difficulty on either end, kind of like Metroid Dread did. Um, right. That this game unlike Hades is really going to be physically demanding of you. Hades has a lot of things in it that will give you progression run over run. Sifu does not have a lot of that. I think the most progression you really get is unlocking a few core universal mechanics, like the ability to parry when you're knocked down or cancel the pushback, which is really big or catch a weapon that's been thrown at you because people will throw bottles and shit at you. <laughs> and so being able <laughs> to catch it and return to sender really quick is really good. Nice. Uh, but the core of it's going to be you got to learn how to parry. You got to learn how to dodge. You got to learn how to combo. You got to learn how to manage groups. You got to learn to use everything around you. You have focus attacks. They're kind of like a super meter in a fighting game where you build it up by dodging and punching. And eventually you can expend it to do a, a sick attack. Like, you know, you jab them in the eyes or you sweep kick them and stuff like that. I'm, I'm trying to pump up the video action here for the stars of destiny. <laughs> I'll just <laughs> pop up and start demonstrating some of the moves. But, uh, it is i i think it's a really i mean i loved it and i still love it i also fully understand why it is 
I think a divisive game, people are going to love it or they are not going to gel with it. And I think that's important to know going into. So uh, all that being said, it is an early game where I finished it and then finished the true ending, which is even harder because very, very mild spoiler warning. The true ending is a pacifist ending. So you have to pacify all five bosses and um, which is very, very difficult to do. Uh, I finished that game going. This is a contender for my game of the year list. It is February. And I know that when it comes to December, Sifu will probably be something that I'm still thinking about. So mm-hmm. it is definitely a goatee watch game, but only for people who really like 3D brawlers, for people who really like that difficulty. I will say it's got me really high for Elden Ring, too. I'm, I'm now sitting here like I conquered Sifu. What's next? What new horizons <laughs> can Alexander conquest? Give it to give me Elden Ring. So I'm ready for that. But Sifu is a Goaty cool watch. thing. Yeah, yeah, we're already on Goaty. We're going to talk a lot about Goaty Watch this, <laughs> this episode. Yeah. I tend to forget things by February, like that came out in February when it's time to do Goaty. So I'm paying special attention. Difficult. It's it difficult. It's difficult. Uh, this is like a, I mean, the weird thing is there's a lot of games launching this month. That's the other thing is right now we're going to be talking about a few games, but literally two weeks from now, we're going to have so many games that we're all talking about and playing and messing around with that like, yeah, I, I I don't know. It's there's a lot of stuff and, and they announce even more stuff for the rest of the year. So it's going to be a packed video game year. That's the end of it. But yeah, Sifu's cool. I like Sifu a lot. Uh, I also think it's very much worth looking for opinions beyond my own because I'm very much in the positive. I know some other people who are very much in the positive. I also know some other people that bounced right off and did not like it. So, yeah, me too. It is it is a thing that you will like a lot if you like certain things. <laughs> I really want to play Sifu, but for some reason, my PS5 isn't downloading games right now. It's It just oh. won't go online. Mm-hmm. I think That's it's handy. more to do with my internet than anything, but it's annoying. I'm going to talk about a non-video game related thing, so please bear with me. Uh, one of this. the specials that I considered doing, and we might still do it in a few months, was talking oh, about Star wanna... Wars. No, don't make us do it. <laughs> I'll do <laughs> it. I'll talk it. Star Wars. I don't care. No, specifically what Kat's about to talk about. <laughs> Why do you hate oh. on Star Wars? No, it's this thing we're about to talk about. I mean, admittedly, any conversation about Star Wars is going to be kind of me ranting about how Star Wars is bad now. But yeah, mm-hmm. I, um, mm-hmm. so yeah, Book of Boba Fett was not mm. an amazing show. Um, and here's the thing that's really frustrating to me about this game or about this show, uh-huh. which just ended this past week. Yeah. So I was watching it with the rest of my household mm-hmm. and two of the other, the other two people who live with me they have not finished Mandalorian, okay? And so I was like, Book of Boba Fett should be safe. I mean, it's about Boba Fett, and it's a standalone story, so it'll be okay. No, you got to watch Mandalorian uh. to be able to make sense of anything that's going on in the back half of the season, which is frustrating by itself. But also, it's just such an unfocused story. There could have been a really kind of fun side story going on here, but they really have no idea where they're going. And I'm sorry. This is peak Star Wars, and uh, cover your ears if you don't if you don't want a fairly mild spoiler. But peak Star Wars is Mandalorian flying a Naboo N1 starfighter from Phantom Menace down Beggar's Canyon over a freaking Womp Rat. 
I mean, that's like <laughs> fan fiction stuff right here. Wow. Where it's like, but what if the Mandalorian were flying the Phantom Menace N1 Starfighter, man, and down Baker's Canyon? It's like, okay, settle down. <laughs> settle down. But that's what Star Wars is all about now. It's just all fan fiction. So it's fan I, gratification. I was among those who actually had higher hopes for a book of Boba Fett than um, in general. I was like, well, maybe they can do some fun stuff with this character and in the end, it really didn't seem like they had any idea what to do with Boba Fett. So I don't think it's they know just what to do a, with Star Wars, period. Can I drop no. a hot take? Sure. Boba Fett's not even a character. Boba Fett was never a character. Boba Fett existed for a joke in, in Return of the Jedi. Like this dude Boba, Boba Fett was th- cool this in dude Empire lives Strikes to Back. Get owned. This dude lives to get owned. He can't even do his own job in Empire Strikes Back. He needs Darth Vader to come true. in and clean it up. He He's the, the worst one, he, freelancer. He, did, he didn't get fooled. Okay. Okay. Not, he was the only one to not get fooled by Han Solo. And he oh. uh shot at Luke that one time. Yeah, so, yeah, great shots. They really landed, which is why Luke is definitely dead and not alive, right? And he <laughs> told Darth Vader to himself like that he like he sassed Darth Vader I mean who does that Boba Fett does that that's who yeah, does no, it Darth Vader looked at that and it was that scene from Mad Men where like the dude's like I I think you're a terrible person and and Don Draper's like I don't think about you at all like that's what Darth <laughs> Vader did to Boba sure. Fett he was like I literally don't care about you <laughs> like there even Django Fett was way cooler because you know what Django Fett did? Mm. He outsourced, and that was smart. Django Fett I'm, was like, I'm going to get right, hired right. to assassinate somebody, and I'm going to hire somebody else to assassinate that, that was person. So for I mean, if I'm, if I'm ranking Mandalorians, it goes Mandalorian, Django, Boba, because they've all done way cooler things than Boba. Um, you should watch Mandalorian. It's actually okay. Uh, at least I've, the I've first season is. I tried two episodes, and it was not really gelling with me. So Okay, fair enough. But, but yeah. I here's here's the thing about Bo- Boba Fett, and I, I promise to be done soon. The worst thing they did was put uh, was to turn them into a warrior race. Okay, mm. you know where the there's an entire thing. class of people wearing these armor with the jetpacks mm-hmm. and everything. He should have just been a cool bounty hunter. Oh, that I agree with, with the yeah. armor, mm-hmm. and that's it. That's it. He didn't. He didn't need anything else. Okay, he didn't need, they didn't need to have a whole culture of all of this. Mm-hmm, Just mm-hmm. a guy who made some cool armor and managed to hunt down Han Solo. But instead, every freaking thing that ever appeared in the original trilogy has to have all kinds of lore behind it. Mm-hmm. That's Star yeah, Wars. Yeah. I, w- I will lore say creep. I like... I like Star Wars visions. I watched a bunch of those shorts mm. and and that's the thing is I think when Star Wars is not in a movie format, it works really well as an anthology type thing. It's also why I like the Clone Wars series uh, a fair deal was because I think that just works. Uh, and I really wish they would try and do more stuff like that. And also just less Jedi shit. Not everything needs to be Jedi. Not everything needs to be Sith and Oh, the threat to the universe. And no, it's it's kind of cool when we just get other stories or maybe we get a Jedi that's not just a Skywalker or a Palpatine, but that gets into episode yeah, they nine. Blew and, that, and, uh, that idea. and then I start yelling. <laughs> I'm waiting for my Rogue Squadron TV show. Come on. Yeah. It'll Where happen is it? at this rate. All Star Wars has at this point is nostalgia because with the kind of annihilating uh, The Last Jedi, they decided, OK, all we're doing for Star Wars is safe nostalgia because we really can't get people angry. 
because otherwise we won't get the monies. And we've paid a lot of monies for Star Wars, so we're, we're going to just make sure everyone sees the Naboo fighter fly, flying over the, the canyon. Gotta sell toys. Gotta sell. And oh, absolutely. Now we've reached, sell toys. We've now reached prequel nostalgia, which is just That's wild the funniest to me. thing to me. I remember right? sitting in the theater laughing at how badly those movies <laughs> did. It's it's like meme nostalgia, which is like good ironic nostalgia, which I appreciate as as being too online. The prequels were like it it kind of graduated in the way that all the worst things that happened on the internet, it started ironic. And mm-hmm, then mm-hmm, it became mm-hmm. genuine. And yeah. now that's There's what happened an entire to my entire generation yeah. that unironically loves the Star Wars prequels. Mm-hmm. That's how They're it begins. So bad, I have to give them credit, though. George Lucas had a vision and he saw it through. He didn't chicken out halfway through, except maybe with with the what's his name? Jar Jar. I don't think Jar Jar was supposed to be. Yeah, he had a vision. It was merchandising. <laughs> Jar 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 leading the Republic and handing all power over to the Sith. Gotta love it. You know, know, honestly. I'll give you a reason to hate this stupid little thing. That's that's great. He's like, Misa declare the Empire. (laughs) (laughs) That's God. I don't care who you are. That that might not be like prestige film, but that is good film. (laughs) (laughs) I did like the idea of Jar Jar being a dark Jedi. That was pretty good. But I think cannot. Him, him being in on it yeah. would have been good. Yeah. That's what I usually don't like fan, like, you know, conspiracies and memes and stuff like that. But that was Darth, a good Darth one. Binks. Jar Jar Binks is a Sith Lord. That Darth would be Binks. amazing. That would be a fantastic twist. Canonically, I think Jar Jar was frozen in carbonite for reasons I'm not entirely sure about. Mm-hmm. It, mm-hmm. The very least, oh, I it was he exploded. And uh, I don't know. Everybody wants Jar Jar to go away. But maybe Jar Jar was the only good thing about Star Wars all along. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe Jar Jar was inside us the whole time. Oh, Nadia, no. what have you been playing? <laughs> uh, I'm trying to figure out Final Fantasy Tactics. I'm very bad at it, but I'm trying my best. It's Is this your a... first time? I've I remember playing part of War of the Lions a long, long time ago when it first came out, but I don't know if I stuck to it. And I'm not very good at this game, so that would explain why I didn't stick to it. I'm learning, mm. though. I think part of my problem was that I didn't really understand how to equip job skills or mm, weapons. Yeah. They don't make it very mm-hmm. obvious or intuitive. So mm-hmm. I was going into battle and getting my ass kicked and saying, okay, this isn't right for this early stage in a strategy game, no matter how good or bad I am. So I figured that out and I'm still getting my ass kicked, but it's a little better now. Early on as like, this is my first time playing it. I'll just say early on, one of the best things I did was like sucking up my pride and just going into the menus and listening to that old dude tell me how to do a bunch of stuff in the game. <laughs> I, I did that too, there, yeah. There yeah. was there was some stuff that like I still had to learn from just Googling and things like that. And, and that people in the Discord helped me figure out as well. But uh, definitely like learning. That was the thing that frustrated me the most was finding the learn section yeah. under jobs. That was so annoying to find. And it's still playing it now. I'll be like, where's that freaking tab? Oh, no, I'm in the set abilities. I need to be in the learn abilities. Yeah. Yeah, it's a lot. It's definitely the kind of game where I'd love to see them bring it out in the like now on the switch with some small adjustments that would make it a lot easier to play. I think a two a one and a two did a lot to make those systems just a little bit smoother. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I remember having a lot easier time finding it when I was playing stuff like A2. So, 
when we were talking about it in our guide to tactics RPGs, uh, it was Final Fantasy Tactics that I was referring to when I said that one of the drawbacks of the tactics RPG genre is that it's a very slow burn. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. that's why uh, I'm not entirely surprised. But here's the thing. Once you kind of reach the top of the roller coaster, boy, I'm really mixing my metaphors now. And then you just start going down. That's when it gets so good, right? Like that moment where you hit critical mass for actual power Mm -hmm. and you Mm -hmm. feel good about your party. That's when Final Fantasy Tactics starts to sing. Mm-hmm. What do you mm-hmm. recommend for early job builds? Like I can switch to like, I've noticed I can switch jobs already. I don't know if I should bother because I know I can make uh, what's his face a knight or something. I would spend time on Squire and make sure you get at least some of your party members, if not all of your party members equipped with some of those jobs. So specifically like JP up, which is just yeah a passive ability that makes you gain more JP on actions is like a no brainer. Uh, but there are a few others that I found to be really, really useful in there. Um, I also spent one battle with everybody on chemist just so I could get them all on auto potion because that just makes some later battles a little bit easier, but you're going to have to grind a little bit for that. Cause that's like 400 JP in chemist for that. Um, and then early game black mage will do a lot of damage. If it's raining, right. thunder does, does more damage. That's a thing. If it is raining, thunder does more damage. So remember that because yeah. It is both won me battles and screwed me over in Dorder Trade City. <laughs> so, double edged uh, sword, double edged. Yes, black I taught magic. every one of my characters auto potion because I am a weak man <laughs> <laughs> who wanted the the free potions. <laughs> Nadia, are you in the monthly game club? Because you should go and bug them; they will help yeah. you. I will. Uh, yeah, I'm going to be checking in and saying help because I'm sure I'll need it. Yeah. Uh, they will be there to help you. There's some Final Fantasy Tactics sickos in there. Oh, so. I bet. I, I have a feeling we have a lot of Final Fantasy Tactics sickos under our wing. Oh, yeah. And if you want to join them, patreon.com slash bloodgodpod. Okay, let's talk now about the big news of the past week. Yep, there was a Nintendo Direct. It was an Not RPG direct. palooza. All of the best things happened with the Nintendo Switch. If you are an RPG fan... Here are some of the announcements. Live Alive HD2D in the Octopath oh, Traveler style. Mm-hmm. A Front mm-hmm. Mission 1 and 2 mm-hmm. remake. Chrono Cross Remaster, which is what yeah. we were expecting to be announced A during bit the before, Game Awards. Yeah. Will include Radical Dreamers and uh, also 3D models converted to HD. High quality background music. The ability to switch enemy encounters on and off background filters, battle enhancement, and auto battle. And you can switch between imitation pixel font and HD font. There will be Xenoblade Chronicles 3 officially yes. announced. Mm-hmm. It's happening. Mm-hmm. Nadia, your moment I, is here. It really is. No, I'm glad <laughs> to hear that. And I'm also glad to see that it's basically a uh, something between Xenoblade Chronicles 1 and 2, which has a huge kind of jump in terms of its story. So I'm curious to see how it patches it up. Earthbound Beginnings and Earthbound on SNES Online, but no Mother 3. No Mother 3. I said on Twitter, when they were announcing Earthbound and and the first Mother on Twitter, I said, they're going to chicken out with Mother 3. And sure enough, they chickened out with Mother 3, but I expected so. We got a new Fire Emblem. 
Warriors. Warriors. Um, warriors. Okay. I hear Fire Emblem Warriors was good, so I'm not going to be. I know a lot of people like no, most of no, the games. And... No, it was not. <laughs> no, Fire Emblem no? Warriors was not good. <laughs> no. Okay, I heard it was. I thought people loved I, it. I I did not like it. Let me put it that way. I, I don't like I most of the games. I, I like Calamity, guy. Age of Calamity. That's it. Oh, no, no. Fire Emblem Warriors. We, we can go into it when we talk about these in, in detail, but yeah. And you want finally, to get through the list first, yeah. The new triangle strategy demo is out, and it saves progress. And I started playing mm-hmm. it. It's all mm-hmm. right. Yeah, uh, I like good. it. Mm-hmm. Though for some reason, when I'm looking at it, I'm like, why is this so blurry? I can't tell if it's a Switch OLED thing or if my eyes are just going. Probably a combination of the both. My it's eyes a are going graphic out. setting. <laughs> I, was, I was doing some investigation on this today because I had the same thing. There is a depth of field filter that you can turn mm. off in the settings menu, and that will change it. So I recommend you do that. I'm going to. Um, so here's my question that I'm going to pose to you. What was the announcement that was the most exciting to you? And I'll start with you, Nadia, because I already know the answer. I think Zenimba Chronicles 3 is probably it. And uh, we're having... It's the I, new I was, one, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, had has Mitsuda for the soundtrack again. It's uh looks like it's more of the world I enjoy. Uh, no offense to uh, Chronicles X people, but I really prefer the the Titan worlds versus a, a generic sci-fi world. So, and, and it brings back... I can't remember the n- name of the race of the people with the wings on their head, but they were in the first one, not the second one. But the, the, we, we are getting the cat people from the second one. So there's a whole meme already, like, you know, bird waifu versus cat waifu, who will win? I am a little bit famous now as a Xenoblade Chronicles doubter. But yes, you are. I really like the look and the feel of the world. It is distinct. And I really enjoy the battle system and the music is fantastic. And maybe somewhat harshly, I have said that it's a middle of the road RPG, but I don't think that's true, actually. It's not it's, true. No. It is a, it's an upper tier JRPG for sure. I mean, the talent to, attached to it alone makes it uh, quite high up there and it's it's rather lovely to look at most of the time um the actual trailer of xenoblade chronicles 3 didn't really hit me in any particular way but i Mm. do know that i will download it and play it for a while until i get bored and play something else (laughs) (laughs) okay as abby points out in the chat when i see xenoblade in a nintendo direct I guess that's how all y'all see a Tales game when it pops up because mm. I'm sitting during a Tales thing. I'm sitting there like, oh my God, it's a new Tales. Oh my God, let me see the gameplay. Yeah, that's a Tiger Fang. That's a Demon Fang. And everybody else is like, man, what is this anime bullshit? And then with this <laughs> one, everybody was like, oh my God, look, there's connections to one and two. And I'm sitting there like, what is this anime bullshit? <laughs> so, <laughs> Welcome we to it. our world. Oh, I'm not. Uh, no, I'm not playing a Xenoblade. I refuse. Uh, I why? The original is good. Well, first of all, uh, that that dude says Monado in a funny way, and I've just never this been is able the to get over power. it. Uh, also, everyone has a funny. It's accent called British, in that game. Eric. It's called yeah. British. Why did they invent British while they were on the back of these giant titans? Like Britain's not up there. Why did they it's, invent it's on British Earth. anywhere? I find it charming. British is fantasy. Everybody's to me. British in every freaking fantasy thing. Look at Final. Why is everyone British? Yeah, but Final not fantasy this British. <laughs> Why are the Alamegans Irish? Why are the Alamegans Irish? 
someone was cranking the British accent knob that's on the JRPG creation machine, and then they accidentally like sneezed and cranked it too far, and it went all the way <laughs> over. I'm pretty sure the voice actors are all like British, though. I mean, why is every soccer? Why does soccer commentary always British too? It's because people want to hear British voices associated with fantasy. That's fun. it's a level of British that reminds me of real life Britain. And that's what weirds me out is I'm like, <laughs> oh, yeah, this is this sounds like not just the typical British you hear when you watch like Macbeth on PBS or whatever. But like this is British, British, like oh, you real gotta play. world British. Here's the thing. Xenoblade British is nothing compared to Dragon Quest British. Dragon Quest British is just right in there with like the Cockney and stuff like that. Like it just, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it's pretty amazing actually. It's jar. My immersion's ruined. <laughs> I'm kidding, but I it is it. weird. It's because now I associate I, like Dragon Quest, certain Dragon Quest characters, like the tough guys with the Cockney accent. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Azix is right. It is. It sounds more authentically fantasy or medieval to uncultured Americans. You are right. Except this time they went too far. They turned the dial too far. <laughs> Nadia. My question for you is, you have said that Xenoblade Chronicles and Xenoblade Chronicles 2, especially maybe 2, are like one of your favorite RPGs ever. Yes. So I'm curious, why does it hit you so hard in the feels? Why do you love it so much? I just love the world that it's developed around. I think the first world is really fascinating. I think the second world with all the different titans, and especially mm-hmm. with it, the way it's accompanied with the music, mm-hmm. which is Matsuda's best work maybe outside of chrono cross but it's incredible that's high praise i think chrono cross still tops it but uh, there are some good ones in there it's definitely a bit of a tie but i was putting up some of the uh some of my favorite tracks during on twitter the other day and just how many of them how varied they are and how like incredible like he got that irish choir to do like several of the tracks in the towns and it's just like just amazing and heck there's one of the Titans is Genbu, who's like a turtle. It's very cold, very snowy. You would think, oh, here comes the the gentle music. No, it's just rock. Like, <laughs> they're really mm-hmm. hard. It's fantastic. I love it. Well, Mitsuda didn't do all of the music in the original Xenoblade Chronicles. He just did he some no, of it. No, he did like, in the, not the original, like the second one. The first music, the first game had also had great music. I think, I think actually Colony 9 at nighttime has one of the nicest town themes like mm. ever. But yeah, he, I don't know if he did anything in one. But you're right. He didn't do all of it. That's for sure. Yeah. I think that Xenoblade Chronicles 3, um, yeah, it's a, it's a top end, I guess you could say, AAA RPG. And Xenoblade Chronicles Definitive Edition, the new content, heavily teased Xenoblade Chronicles 3. And now we are seeing it. Um, yeah, yeah. I am happy about the new character designs, honestly, because I was not a big fan mm-hmm. of the character designs in Xenoblade Chronicles 2. I think by bringing in so many guest artists, it just got too mixed in many ways. I hope it's more consistent. If you remember, I did an interview with the producer for US Gamer, and I asked why you had so many artists do that and why you had the gotcha element. Because, of course, there was no in-game purchases. There was nothing like that. Mm -hmm. Apparently, it was strictly for social media where people would share screenshots of the the blades that they pulled. And they'd say, hey, look at this cool blade I got. And it worked mm. because I asked, like, did it work? How did it sell? He said it sold really well, especially in the West. They were surprised at how well it sold in the West. So that was oh, the no. reason for that. They're going to do it again, aren't they? They're going to do it again. I don't think so. I don't, get the, I don't get the impression they're going to do it again. And I remember getting a lot of shit from people because I said I liked Pyra. I wrote an article about how Pyra, she's 
looks dumb. Her costume is dumb, and I will never say it is not dumb, but she was a cool character. She acted like an adult. I'm like, hey, here's an anime game where the female character acts like an adult. That's kind of nice. But this was in an age where people were still kind of like, if a woman has big boobs, she's a bad character. And that was never a phase I was really a fan of. And thankfully, it's gone. I think Bayonetta helped turn things around, to be honest. But I got actually people guys asking me how could you call yourself a feminist and you still be in support of pyra blah 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 and it just it really kind of ticked me off a bit Weird. i hope that they do away with the uh the gotcha element because i found it needless and distracting but i get the feeling that they will probably bring it back but we shall I don't see know if they will. i don't know i feel like what we saw so far of the character design is too consistent to be like okay this the is a bunch of gotcha counterpoint genshin impact I'm just True. saying, yeah, mm. like Genshin Impact and Fire Emblem Heroes to some extent, but Genshin Impact, like you can't look at that and be like, oh, maybe we should keep the gotcha thing. I hope that now that um, Monolith Soft has gotten some time to get to know the Switch hardware, that it is better optimized this time around. I think so. Their DLC, uh, the Golden Country, I think it was called. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't finish yeah. that, but I hear it was much better optimized. And again, in the interview, I asked, like, have you learned how the Switch works now? Like, how's that going for you guys? And they said, yeah, <laughs> we had a really hard time at first, but we eventually, like, for the for the DLC, we really started to get the hang of it. And, hey, I mean, Monolith Soft, they worked a lot on Breath of the Wild, so they know what they're doing when it comes to open world. Mm-hmm. What is your biggest hope for Xenoblade Chronicles 3, Nadia? I just want cool Titan worlds and cool music, and I'll be good. And I want I want weird enemies bosses that are named stupid things like immaculate gusts or whatever and you're just kind of minding your own business and you know chasing down level five bugs and level 40 immaculate gust comes and jumps on you from your from like high above and kills you and it's a lot of fun because you didn't expect it <laughs> i just love you blaze world naughty doesn't ask for much but you know what? I find that inspiring, honestly, that you're mm-hmm. like, you know what? Mm-hmm. Just give me weird char- characters with weird names and some nice music. I'm going to be pretty happy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, Xenoblade Chronicles 2 did that. And it was just, I was swept up in it for, it's one of those games you remember playing. You remember when you were, where you were doing, where you were and what the season was. I think it was mm-hmm. wintertime. And I like games that do that do that for me. Meanwhile, Nintendo is truly running back 2017 because we're getting Breath of the Wild 2. We're getting, we're getting Xenoblade Chronicles 3. Yeah. We're getting Splatoon 2. Or Splatoon 3, I should say. Yeah. Like, it's 2017 again. All we're missing mm-hmm. is a Mario game. We're getting oh, Salmon we, Run again. We still got months in the year. But I, I don't know. I think I think it's a pretty exciting lineup that we got at the Direct. Um, all of this stuff is really, really good. It does kind of feel like a greatest hits, especially with the Fire Emblem coming back in the form of a Warriors game. Sure. Do you think <laughs> do you think this is Nintendo basically firing their final big salvo before they release a new console? I mean I potentially maybe. I don't know what they would do for a new console at this point. New switch. More powerful switch. More powerful the switch, switch, yeah. The current switch is less powerful than the PS4. What worries me though PS4. is the chip shortage. 
which is not going to oh, be rectified no. until at least 2023. So if they did bring out a Switch that was more powerful, that would be great. I'd love to see that. I have Could good news, Nadia. It? There won't be a new Switch till 2023 at the earliest. Yeah. So. yeah. But even I, uh, even so, like this is we're talking about like the good scenario, the best case scenario. I was pointing this out to a friend recently because they were going like, oh, you know, they got to make a change. But the thing is, from Nintendo DS to 3DS, it was just a hardware bump. Like, honestly, the 3D part was a gimmick <laughs> and and it was there. And, you know, first parties and, and partnered studios used it. But otherwise, the 3DS was just a more powerful DS and it worked out really, really well. Yeah. So. Yeah. I, I do I think see that, that the next the Switch is here. going to be just a more powerful Switch, and there's not going to be anything fancy with about 3D. it. No. <laughs> with 3D. With, with yeah, a 3D slide on it. I mean, I'd be down for it, honestly, if it used it well. But I, I don't know. It does weirdly feel like they're playing the hits of everything that's come out on the Switch already, right? Because the fact that Fire Emblem Warriors is back, and it's the three houses, they're not doing another big crossover Fire Emblem game, but they're focusing extremely on three houses. And and triangle strategy even feels like a victory pat or a victory lap for the Octopath team and stuff like that. Just from what I've played, I've already been really liking it. And it feels a little bit like them going, haha, look at this. Look at how awesome we made retro RPGs that even we're bringing live alive back. And it looks like Octopath 2. We rule. And like it, it feels like a victory lap this year for the Switch, honestly, in a way that I'm kind of appreciating. Followed by the punctuated by breath of the wild 2 which is just which hopefully comes out this year <laughs> it's gonna be I'm, a mic ha- drop. I'm wondering about this year i'm thinking that we'll get a direct specifically for it and it'll come out like i think they'll, f- they'll do what that. they did with they'll do what they did with the original breath of the wild they'll devote the entirety of e3 mm-hmm. to it ah uh, yeah are we yeah. having e3 yeah. this year <laughs> i forget not I live mean- in the E3 window slash week slash Jeff Keighley's summer game bonanza. So it definitely during, be there, during yeah. Keighley Fest, the Keighley Donkey Show. Yeah, I do want to shout out Live Alive, though. That is just a, a left of field. All the things. What of all the, the hell? Things. Like, yeah, that's the announcement that hit the hardest for me personally, because I mean, it's not just, oh, Live Alive is back. It's. Live Alive, but it's in the Octopath Traveler. I know. Oh, yeah. Like we put money into bringing Live Alive back. Not like, you know, Earthbound, which yeah. is kind of tossed up on Nintendo Switch Online. You know, that's been available in other forms too. But check out Live Alive in HD 2D. And meanwhile, Square Enix is just pixel remastering Final Fantasy VI. Questionable mm-hmm. to me. But, you know, I'm glad Live Alive gets the love because this is something that I think someone at square enix has a chart somewhere that they're looking at the benefit that they're getting from taking all these cult classics and hd 2 ding them and bringing them over finally and stuff and they're seeing good results from it that's the only explanation i can think of is they're like we may only sell twenty thousand of this game but it will sell that much and it will turn around well for us so hell yeah let's bring live alive to north america <laughs> that's the funniest thing i i can't remember i think i was actually on a episode of retronauts about live alive with victor hunter and god bless victor he knows everything about the game i'm just kind of sitting here like i want to read a twitter thread quickly from my boss and nbc co-host Paris schneider who was just very happy and very thrilled about the announcement of live alive and this is what he said if you see single screenshots of the game you might be really confused Live Alive is like seven different RPGs all rolled into one. 
Each scenario isn't just set in a different world or a time zone. It also plays differently from the others. And then an eighth chapter pulls it all together. It's incredibly mm-hmm. ambitious. The turn-based grid system battle system is shared across the scenarios, but the Western scenario focuses on gunplay while the others go for hand-to-hand combat. The scenarios range from prehistory to spaghetti Western to modern day to medieval times to an alien-style creepy space adventure. Each scenario was designed by a different artist. The artist on the Japanese ninja scenario, for example, was manga artist Gosho Aoyama, who was with uh, Detective Conan. The music mm. remains one of the Square's best soundtracks, composed by Yoko Shimomura, the woman behind Street Fighter II's mm-hmm. music, Kingdom mm-hmm. Hearts Mario RPG. And if that's not enough pedigree for you, knowing that the game was directed by the lead designer of Final Fantasy IV, Takashi Tokita, who went on to be the director of Chrono Trigger and Parasite Eve. Mm-hmm. But enough name-dropping. Just know this. While RPG fans didn't obsess over a re-release of Live Alive the way they campaigned for Mother 3... This is a top-tier JRPG whose time in the spotlight is way overdue. Big, big thumbs up to Square Enix for not only bringing it back, but giving it some sparkly Octopath paint. So there you go. I think Pear did an amazing job Mm -hmm. of laying out why exactly RPG fans should be so excited for Mm -hmm. Live Alive actually coming out. And honestly, I am more excited to have Live Alive finally properly playable on Nintendo Switch than I am Mother 3. Yeah, I this is probably something we're going to talk about in the post show a little bit, but it really is cool how the switch is quickly becoming a home for people to revisit a lot of, I would argue, foundational works in RPG history. <laughs> like, it's cool that all the like moon remix and live alive and front mission and stuff like that are all going to be on this one platform and made available in modern day and remade and translated. And that's awesome because there's so much stuff that gets lost in the fold because it's not named, you know, final fantasy or something like that. But these works are, you go look at live alive, you play live alive and you're like, Oh, this was the basis for Octopath and also many other games that I've played as well. And you can see the threads. It's awesome. So I'm, yeah, I'm so glad this is alive again. Eric, is Front Mission 1 and 2 Remake your most anticipated or the most exciting announcement from this Direct? I mean, aside from the fact that I could play Triangle Strategy once the Direct ended, yes. (laughs) 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 Yeah. Um, Front Mission, it's... I'm curious. Some of the footage they showed, I liked the look of the overworld and the mechs and stuff. The UI, I felt, could look a little bit nicer. but Needs um, some polish, I think. Yeah, just like a little a little gussy up, you know, but it's that that game also just looks so crunchy. So like bolting guns onto a mech and being you know, tearing off the sword arm and putting on the gun arm and going out into the field and shoot for different body parts and all that, like that good, that good tactics that I was just looking at it and being like, oh, this is scratching that good part of my brain that I think FTL awakened all those years ago. And now I just crave in video games. Uh, thank you, FTL and the VAT system. But uh, mm-hmm. yeah, it's it looks I, I want my dystopian, like sad war trauma. Like sad mech I also, war trauma. I grew up playing Ace Combat, so that probably doesn't help either. That I'm just used to like the melodrama war stuff, and also crave that as a comfort food. So, 
front mission just seems primed for me and it's one of those ones that i, w- I was always like i should spend some time going back to play it because it checks every single one of my boxes but there wasn't a good way to do it outside of emulators so well i now we have it it's going to be here this summer with front mission 2 not long after hopefully this year is what they've said so yeah yeah hopefully hopefully during our guide to rpgs that we posted last week as our special um i was saying how much i wanted a front mission one remake and how i was sad that it was not seemingly not going to happen Mm -hmm. i spoke Mm -hmm. it into existence what an amazing thing you did Congratulations. We're proud of you. I keep speaking things into existence. I spoke this Nintendo Direct into existence on NBC. So you you should really just say that Devil Survivor on Switch will never happen. Could you do that for me sometime soon? That'd be great. Could you do that with me and Mega Man X9, please? Just mention it'll never happen. We've got a list, actually. All I want (laughs) is Devil Survivor remake or remaster on the The, Nintendo Switch. Just remaster it. It doesn't need to be remade. It's already pretty darn good. You know what I think? is that that Chrono Trigger collection should have the original on it as well as Chrono Cross. And if you're going to have Radical Dreamers on there, you may as well put Chrono Cross on there as well. Chrono that Trigger. is curious. Mega Man X9 needs to happen. I, I agree. agree with you. Yeah, We are no. well past time. And you know what? Don't make it 2.5D, Capcom. Yeah, Give I could go love. with some traditional sprite work. But I just want it to exist. I am really curious why Chrono Cross got the nod because I joked to one of my friends that Square heard y'all were asking for Chrono and said, say no more. <laughs> they, came, came <laughs> they didn't let you finish. Chrono they heard you say yeah. Chrono. Because Chrono Trigger has been released on a few different platforms since its release, yeah, including the Nintendo yeah. DS and the PC, mm-hmm. whereas Chrono Cross has really not been. It's right. been pretty much stuck on the PlayStation and it got kind of a, a release on the Vita, but it was just a straight ROM. So mm-hmm. it's been fairly hard to play it. And it has a groundswell among certain RPG fans who consider it to be an all-time classic. So I'm not surprised that Chrono Cro- that Square Enix, in their mania to bring back some of their older classics, they did it with Secret of Mana, and they did it with Trials of Mana that they would remaster Chrono yeah. Cross. I'm just glad that I'm kind of glad that they're sticking with the original look rather than going for a full blown uh, remake. Mm-hmm. Though uh, John Linneman, friend of the podcast over at Digital Foundry, his first reaction was that Chrono Cross re-release looks horrific. Really, he said that so, to me. It just yeah. looks like Chrono Cross, but upres the way they upres the Final Fantasy games, which looks fine. There was a lot of comments about the AI scale upscaled backgrounds. Oh, oh that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I don't know much but, about AI scaled stuff. I mean, it's not a bare bones re-release. I mean, it adds no. a lot of quality of life uh, improvements and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. It kind of makes me think of how they did Final Fantasy VIII, honestly. That's what I was I thought, saying. That's how they did yeah. Final Fantasy VII. They did eight. Yes, they had that up look. I think they also used the AI for that. And we were talking on the Pantheon about Chrono Cross and its backgrounds and how hard it could be to see against them. So... Maybe the uprising isn't the greatest, but we could see now. Clearly, yeah, the rain is gone. Yeah. It reminds me of Near Replicant as well. That idea of like, we're going to take this right. game and create the most comprehensive version of it possible by adding in Radical Dreamers and things like that. So I don't want Radical Dreamers, though. Radical Dreamer has nothing, very little to do with Chrono Cross. It's just. I mean, it's a cool it's a cool little thing, though, because it's never been really available. It's always been kind of a 
curious piece of RPG. I just can't history. wait for everyone to see Lynx and how Lynx isn't actually a Lynx in in the uh, in Radical Dreamer. He's a person, but he looks like Waluigi. I can't wait for everyone to find that out. The thing about these collections is they make you embrace all of what a game is. So, for example, the 10 and 10 2 collection also includes the audio dramas and nobody wants the audio dramas in the in the final. <laughs> is Fantasy that the one where Titus explodes? Like, no, that's the story that was three. <laughs> yeah, that was Final Fantasy 10. I think they called it Will or Wish or something. Uh, that's the one where Titus kicks what he thinks is a blitz ball, but is actually the magical Final Fantasy creature bomb and it blows up and kills him. That is canonical in Final <laughs> Fantasy 10. It's, it's called Wish. I wish a bomb would blow my head off. <laughs> yeah, it's um, I can't wait for us to cover that on Armored FM because I just oh have my no God, words I wish I could have been that. there. I wish I could have done that during a live show. Oh, that's like, the, I think that's the time, only time I saw you completely lose yourself for, and yeah. I couldn't get you back because you were gone. You were just laughing. So I was hard. gone. <laughs> I was out. <laughs> All time classic moment I in love Acts of the Blood God history. Um, I played, I replayed Chrono Cross uh, recently, so I don't right, feel any particular need to pick up this one, but I'm glad that it is more accessible so that people can see that it's not as good as Chrono Trigger. Well, I mean, I, I'm not going to fight that. I totally agree with you. No, but I mean, I think what is honestly right? It, there's, there's number one for a reason. Number one for yeah. a reason. Uh, well, until we go back and redo the top 25 RPGs of all time list, maybe it'll get replaced. We don't know. Mm? I'm, yeah, I'm just yeah. trying to build drama here. You know, well, it's, it, <laughs> given our selections, which we'll get into, I'm sure uh, the drama is building. We're we're closing in. We're- we we should probably start tallying up how many weeks we have left of picks. Yeah, yeah. Oh, we got a couple months. Yeah, still it'll be fine. I'm just trying <laughs> to make sure to catch everything. Um, I I feel like we should also talk about Earthbound Beginnings and Earthbound on SNES uh, finally making it. Um, mm-hmm. It's been a kind of a long time coming, honestly, because SNES Online showed up on Switch a couple years ago at this point. People have been like, we're Earthbound. Why do you keep releasing games like Joe and Mac? Just give us freaking Earthbound, for God's sake. And Nintendo's like, fine. Here's, Here's Earthbound, Earthbound again. And uh, Shigesato Atoy, the maker of Earthbound slash Mother, tweeted on that day. I can't remember what he tweeted. It was in Japanese. But everybody lost their minds. They're like, oh, my God, Mother 4. Mother 4 is not going to happen. I'm sorry. I really don't think it's he ever said- going to happen. Oh, it's going to be at 7 a.m. Cool. I wonder <laughs> if it'll snow. That's what he said. Oh, is that what <laughs> he said? Basically. Okay. Yeah. I wonder if it'll snow. It's, I mean, heck, I think winters is actually one of the really nicest areas in mm. that whole segment mm. where you fall into the, the, the spoiler alert. You get trapped in the zombie infested hotel and you switch over to, th- to uh, winters. I think that's a great, great sequence. That's one of my favorite sequences in RBG. By the way, uh, uh, what's his name? What's the name of the Jeff? His his uh his friend, one of the first outwardly gay characters in an RPG. So uh, hey, good oh, for wow. him. Tony, yeah, I remember Shigesato Asoi, uh toy saying outright, yeah, Tony's gay. He helps. Uh, what's his name? Escape Jeff. I like that Earthbound Beginnings is actually on uh, is in this as well, and that it's not just Earthbound. So mm, yeah, um, yeah, yeah, I agree. It's quite rough. Uh, oh, it is. It's a Famicom, and it's a Famicom RPG. But um, as a piece of RPG history, I think it's worth revisiting. It certainly is worth a play, and for a couple of reasons. Number one, I think the 
ROM they're using probably includes some of the adjustments they made to make the game a little bit more palatable. Second of all, Mother 1 has a really good, interesting story for what it is, a Famicom RPG. And it connects to Earthbound in really interesting ways. A lot of speculation is that Nintendo, the hero of uh, Mother, is the father or grandfather of Ness because they have a lot of the same powers going on. And not everyone on Earth has these powers. There's just a very, very select few people. And um, that's mm. because uh, Nintendo's grandparents or great-grandparents were given the powers by aliens, like they were experimented on. So, yeah, that's... Uh, just that little kind of through line there. And since you never see Ness's dad, he's always a phone because the joke, but like, you know, long hours to Japanese uh, companies, you never mm. really know. But I think it's just a fun thing they keep up in the air. But Mother 3 was not part of the deal. Nope. And nope, nope, nope. This is what I said on NBC, and I stand by it. Mother 3, while an outstanding RPG, and definitely should be considered for the Pantheon at some point. It is one of those games that Nintendo fans want it just because they don't have access to it, right? It's like that talisman of like, I want, I want, I want to be able to grab onto this thing. And what I think Nintendo fans are actually saying is, we want Mother 4. That's what we really want. We want a proper sequel. We want an Earthbound adventure we have never played before. I don't think that's ever in the cards because toy is just done. He's out. On that series. Oh yeah, there's there's not going to be a Mother Four. I know there's a fan game that looks really good that was started as Mother Four, but is changed for legally distinct reasons. Mother Three, though, is very very easy to play for free. Anyone could grab it off like the internet, and Tomato's translation is just oh fantastic. my god, Nadia, are you advocating for piracy? In this case, yes. It's not yeah. like Nintendo's giving us the game. <laughs> Come on, we got to be fair here. I bought a repro cart from Retro, uh, the Portland Retro Game yeah, Show, and yeah. I. Just playing it on my analog pocket. It's the way to go. Yeah, it's easy to grab. So that's why I think people want it on Switch because make it even easier, more accessible. We were just talking about how Chrono Cross is the re-release is good because it's going to be more accessible. But Mother Three is going to be it would be a very tricky game to localize, and we've talked about it in the past. So I think Nintendo's just like, yeah, we're not bothering. Well, as Zoo Batman said, it's just going to have to reset the sign that says weeks since nadia advocated for crimes so mm-hmm. <laughs> he may as well keep that 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 thing at zero because yeah yeah, yeah. it doesn't really go uh, up it should be a counter of how many crimes nadia advocates for every week <laughs> if, you, if i if you start like counting the ones even when i'm in like you know kind of in the zero mark uh it'll start kind of accumulating into the minuses mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. A, a crime debt if you will Final thoughts on the Nintendo Direct? A lot of RPGs to play, not enough time in the day. For me, I feel a little bit like Homer in hell getting fed all of the donuts forever right now. All the donuts in the world. Yeah, more, 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 more. more. (laughs) Yeah, I'm looking at all these and I want to play every single one of them except Xenoblade 3. Hey, screw you. they all look great. Even Fire Emblem Warriors, I was like initially bummed that it wasn't a new Fire Emblem, but I will take any excuse to hang out with my idiot school children again. And it, it all looks really good. I'm just looking at it and being like, there's so many games this year. I have there's so little time. A lot of surprises, which was really nice. I was expecting mm-hmm. a certain amount a cer- to see certain games in, in the direct. Because of course, you're always like, oh, I want to see more Breath of the Wild 2. I want to see more Metroid 4. And we didn't get anything like that. We got a whole bunch of games I did not see coming, like just out of left field. Uh, Live mm-hmm. Alive 3D HD remake? What 
when when would I ever conceive of such a thing in my head? Never. I so never imagined there. in a million years no, that this was no. actually going to happen. It was kind of wild. I am glad that it exists and that Square is really putting some effort, for the most part, into the, these preserving these old, old games that all got overlooked by, by the West once upon a time. Like uh, we just like mentioned, like Secret of Mana, Trials of Mana, stuff like that. They went ahead and they translated that. They're putting like localization into this, putting money into it. It's uh, Act Razor Renaissance. That's a, I mean, obviously Quintet owned Act Razor, mm-hmm. but technically mm-hmm. Square Enix owns them now. They're like, hey, who wants an Act Razor remake? And I was like, I'll, I'll take it. Thank you. And so they've been doing a lot of that lately, and I appreciate it. I feel like Jasper is stepping out of the uh, the freezer. This is the second Moon Simpsons pie. reference in like five minutes. And going, live alive HD 2D and a front mission remake. What a time, time to be alive. To be alive. <laughs> <laughs> time has ravaged your useful features, Nintendo Switch. <laughs> it certainly has. <laughs> and now an untitled Eric segment approaches. Command. Well, let's let's keep the Nintendo Direct theme alive because amidst all the Nintendo Directness that happened today, there was another fun little thing that happened here on the internet, uh, and it was a video from uh, a friend of the friend of the show, John Cartwright. Uh, yes, has, I don't think he's ever been on here. I was going to say, has John ever been on here? too late? But yeah, yeah, uh, but good vibes gaming now over there, uh, and really making a splash with the return to that crew because uh, <laughs> this video. <laughs> Uh, there was there was an account that popped up in the wake of the direct that was called Waddle Dino's, and it, it looked very similar to many of these Nintendo leaker accounts that we've seen in the past. Uh, and it had a lot right about the direct, like a scary amount correct about the direct. And some places were talking about it. Got a thread on GameFAQs, on Resetera, on all the different forums. Even some outlets wrote it up, and. The reason why it all looked that way was because it was designed to look that way because John Cartwright made this account to fool everyone into thinking it was a legitimate Nintendo leaker account. (laughs) Uh, And he posted the video today showing how he did it, uh, which was absolutely, absolutely incredible. Uh, You can look it up online. It's on the Good Vibes Gaming channel. Shout out to those folks over there. It's called I Became a Nintendo Insider in Seven Hours Without Knowing Anything. And the crux of it is basically he tweeted a bunch of things made an account made it look like what a nintendo insider account normally looks like so innocuous nintendo character a waddle d the name waddle d knows calling himself an insider and nintendo had the nintendo building as the banner picture which was very fun uh and then had the account private tweeted a bunch of things just throwing spaghetti at the wall to see what stuck And once the direct ended, went back, deleted everything that was not correct and set it live and and made it public. And so then anyone looking in would be like, oh, this account got everything right. And it was (laughs) tweeting all this stuff at the time. And that's because he planned the dang thing. And I mean, watch the video. The, The process is really entertaining. But I wanted to bring it up because this is something those of us who have worked in the industry obviously have dealt with before which is there are a lot of supposed Nintendo insiders and and insiders in any platform at any place. And they range in credibility from folks who have things some of the time, folks who have things occasionally to just outright making things up. 
And John goes into some of that, discusses some of the things to watch out for that we have kind of learned over the years through trial and error. And this is not a shaming thing. This is not a point and laugh at anybody who bit down on it because I definitely had a moment when I was looking at this account and going like, wow, this account got a lot right. And then I got to the one where it was like, Nintendo is making an Encanto game with Bandai Namco and I was like, that's not right. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, sure, why not? It's it's weird enough for it to happen, I guess. In my head, I was like, Encanto Fighter Z, huh? I'd play that. (laughs) But um, (laughs) It was a it, it was a really illuminating thing because this is something we deal with in the industry all the time. It's worth if you are a regular consumer of games in general, and I'm assuming that if you listen to this podcast, you are at least somewhat aware of the hive of information that exists out there around video games. You're aware that there are many, many Nintendo leaker accounts. And John makes some good points about things that you can do to make sure that you are vetting the information. I I'm someone who preaches that media literacy is very important in this day and age where information is so readily accessible, but also easy to make available without with a very low bar for what it actually has, how credible it has to be. And it's very easy to make something look credible enough in this day and age. So very illuminating video to look into and also just, you know, keep your head on a swivel out there, folks. Uh, don't trust waddle D icons, (laughs) but also, uh, yeah, if something looks too good to be true, too right to be true, too on Probably the ball. Is. If you see if you see any sort of every time I see something, I go, wait, what from Twitter? I go to the profile and I look at the follower counts and I see if I have mutuals with them. I see if that is a check mark or if they put an emoji that looks like a check mark yes. next to their name. I see if it's not actually Nintendo of America, but Nintendo of America, <laughs> which has gotten many people before. Um, be media literate out there, folks. Keep your heads on the swivel. There was something similar that happened, uh, just talking about media literacy and believing what you read online and all of that. Um, I don't know if either of you are familiar with Jordan Miner uh, on Twitter, but he's a, a friend of mine. He's in the industry. A long, long time ago, he invented a street shark and convinced the world that this street shark, a female shark named Roxy, existed. And what he did was he went to some crappy-ass TV site like TV Land and signed up to take care of the section for Street Sharks, which is like a garbage show that nobody really knew about. So, of course, he got the section, no problem. And he just started typing all these episode summaries about Roxy. And mm-hmm. the way, that, basically, what he managed to do was convince people that Roxy existed. And he had all these people making comments like, oh, I remember Roxy. She was great. She was a you know, tough Street Shark girl. And she never existed. But he made it sound it's so like convincing. the Mandela effect made It's manifest. exactly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's a little separate from what Eric was saying, but at the same time, um, similar in that don't believe everything you read and we all fall for it. And I or think some do research, look things do up, do research. Yeah. You're Find even more just your advice, looking at someone's account and saying, okay, this guy signed up yesterday and he has two followers. You can say right there. Okay. This is trash. This is not at all. Anything. Waldy knows had his account private. So he was doing it all kind of on the background, and then he made mm-hmm. the uh, the account not private. So that mm-hmm. looked like he had gotten it all right. Mm-hmm. And that I was, was like, genius. how did we not notice this account before? This is wild. They got it all right. But this is my takeaway, which is that there's this leaker culture mm-hmm. that has really taken mm-hmm. root in a big way over the past 10 years or so Yeah, yeah. that has gotten kind of obsessive. And mm-hmm. it's... 
I find it annoying, honestly, because there are more interesting things to talk about rather than obsessing over what Nintendo's next announcements mm-hmm. are going yeah. to be all the time or trying to figure out like when X is going to get announced or when Y is going to get announced. And there's an entire cottage industry that has sprung up around just obsessively uh, talking about leaks. If you go over to the Nintendo Direct thread or the Nintendo thread over at Resetera, it's mm-hmm. just them predicting the next Nintendo Direct. And they're never happy with what's actually announced. They could get <laughs> everything announced that they could ever want. They'd be so happy. And then they'd be like, yeah, but when's Breath of the Wild 3 going to get announced? What, yeah. the, mm-hmm. what the heck? Like, never happy. So just, I don't know. Let, let us appreciate games in the moment and not always think about more announcements. There's games industry is more interesting than that, I think. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right, Eric, thanks so much for your untitled Eric segment. Now, let's talk very quickly. I promise to keep it relatively quick about a game that recently came out over this past weekend. I feel obliged to talk about it a little more than New World because I find Lost Ark more interesting than that Mm -hmm. game. So Mm -hmm. yeah, Lost Ark, Korean free-to-play MMO by Smilegate, had 821,000 viewers on Twitch, cumulatively. And at least some of that's paid but there's a lot of interest in this game. And if you're not familiar with it, I mean, it looks like Diablo, honestly, but faster. Um, yeah, yeah. Eurogamer said that I love this trend of MMOs making you feel really powerful from the beginning. It's so refreshing and joyful. And they also said that it's not as dour or sullen or slow as your typical Diablo game. However... However, there's a lot of grinding, apparently, and it's a lot of very samey content. Mm -hmm. So it's a little mindless in that regard, unless you pay because it's a free to play. That's kind of the thing with Diablo likes, because this isn't the Mm -hmm. first time we've had a Diablo like, of course, when Diablo three came out. I was reviewing mobile games and Gameloft had their own series, Mm -hmm. Dungeon Hunter or something like that played exactly like Diablo and it played fun. It was a good, solid game. But it's Mm -hmm. when you have a free to play game like that, you get this all this useless loot and they obviously want you to pay up and get the better loot and so you never really feel like you're playing legitimately you know what i mean you feel like you could be putting Mm -hmm. in so many hours and still be saying um i don't know if i'm getting the best experience possible because i'm not paying for this so it it really just kind of messes with your head if i played it it'd probably be for a little while then i realize okay i'm not getting anywhere unless i pay so uh, i'm i'm done for now yeah, it's I, I've been keeping an eye on it because I like Diablo style games uh, and and I like games like Reaper of Souls and and Torchlight and things like that. And so the idea of a new Diablo, especially uh, in the wake of all the Activision Blizzard stuff, a new Diablo I can support from a non Activision Blizzard place uh, definitely has interest to me. But uh, for all the bells and whistles and, you know, oh, being able to play as extremely hot flashy characters and yada 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 like it's I, I don't know it's the the more I watched of it I got two takeaways from it one was that yeah it seems really grindy in a way that I was not crazy into but also I think a lot of the interest comes from this being an ideal game for a community that wants to consume everything about a game if that makes sense a lot yeah. of the streams that had really high viewership numbers had drops on 
And there was this element of FOMO mixing with getting Mm. things for watching other people play a game while you were also playing the game and a lot of consumption around this game. Whereas I was not hearing as many people espouse the actual act of playing the game or espousing the goodness of being in the vicinity of this game and playing this game and watching people play this game and oh have you heard about lost ark have you heard about lost ark oh i'm getting drops right now watching so and so play it on twitch and i you know i i think games come and go like this and it's always worth watching to see if the way once the wave crashes whether it actually mm-hmm. you know the tide stays high or not I, i'm mixing metaphors like crazy now uh, <laughs> but i yeah i it seems fine it seems like a thing. It also just seems like something a lot of streamers are going to move on to and try to set up a new cottage industry around and then move on to the next thing. Once they've had their, their months worth of it, you know, they'll be back to playing grand theft auto role-playing servers and stuff like that. So, um, it's the new meta, but I, I, I haven't seen anything that tells me that it's going to stay here for a while. Yeah. I could see it being kind of like the new Genshin impact. Um, if they start releasing characters who are clearly there to inspire a lot of fan art or that kind of thing. So uh, question though, that I have for you two is are the Diablo likes taking over? I think it's kind of interesting that, you know, Diablo is not that complex looking of a game, kind of a typical isometric looking thing could probably run on a mobile platform if nothing else, Mm -hmm. but it's wildly popular. So I'm asking, like, what is feeling the popularity of this genre? Is it just the loot? And is Blizzard already too late with Diablo 4? Oh, Blizzard's way late with Diablo 4. And Blizzard's yeah. going to keep being late with Diablo 4. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, like, they... But the thing is, when when Diablo 4 comes around, it'll still make an impact. Because it is Diablo at the end of the day. Yeah. But... Uh, to your point, I think there is something about Diablo that can appeal to people. I think a lot of people like games that they can play in a social setting these days and especially play co-op V environment and not necessarily PVP. And mm-hmm. so something like Diablo that that has a good, you know, it's also got a good rhythm to it. You know, you pick up a mission, you play a mission, you play it all together. Yeah. You get your loot. Everybody gets their own loot. So you're not fighting over loot but you're getting loot you're getting numbers going up and you're all doing it together and you're doing it in a situation where you're listening to a podcast like ours or you're talking about your week with your friends over a beer and stuff like that that's it's that's a very popular thing these days and i think this could fit that but also (laughs) sorry i just looked at the chat (laughs) yes my 14 progress is to be feared um but but to the 14 point, like that is a game that I found that's very relaxing that I can play solo or with friends. And I I haven't seen much that tells me that uh, Lost Ark fills that need yet. It just seems to fill a need of wanting to be in on whatever the current topic is. And so that's why I'm kind of questioning it. But I do think Blizzard, to your point, is completely late on Diablo. And there's a wide open gap in that market. There's there's not a lot of big Diablo likes. Torchlight's also been kind of quiet for a while. Path I feel of Exile. Like Path of Exile popular. is still the yeah, biggest. They got game a sequel coming town. out. Yeah. Enemy said, crucially, it doesn't feel like an MMO in the usual sense of the genre. Trade skills aren't unlocked until the mid twenties, and even that involves some somewhat dull quests. There mm. are mounts to collect and pets to gather, but it's all a bit functional in its approach. The storyline is reasonably renovating, if cliched. 
but you're definitely following orders rather than making your own way in this world. It's not like you get to dictate what happens next other than the occasional basic choice amongst a plethora of mini cutscenes. Um, I will admit that I downloaded all 70 gigs of this game. Oh my onto gosh, my 70 PC. gigs. It's a big game. Yeah, it's a big game. I, will, I, I have a gaming group that I've been playing Monster Hunter with for about a year now. Mm-hmm. And I think that, I don't know, give it a shot. See how I feel about it. I don't have any particular interest in sitting down and grinding, but as a social game, it'd be fun. Yeah. 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 I, I will probably cave and play this at some point too. Cause I thought sure. the sorcerer class looked really cool. I played, I played sorcerer or whatever the, the mage class in Diablo three and like that a lot. So I was looking at this and being like, dang, those lasers look cool. <laughs> I want to <laughs> shoot those lasers from my hands. Major mage. No, I played <laughs> uh hunter in Diablo three. I, I think it. that uh, I'm going to be the gunner, but I, if mm-hmm. I had to bet, I would say that this game has a much better chance of having staying power compared to mm. New World. Because when I look at New World, right. oh, yeah, yeah. it really yeah, feels no. like the developers have no idea what they're doing. And I genuinely felt like I was taking crazy pills when people were saying <laughs> how much they liked that game. I was like, what are you talking about? They're like, such such an immersive and amazing game. I'm like, are you crazy? Are you mm-hmm. okay? What are you seeing in this? And eventually people were like, you know, I'm starting to think this game's kind of an annoying grind and they're like messing up all this stuff and it's really fucking like, there we mm-hmm. go. There yeah. we go. Okay. Thank God. And Once again, you, mm-hmm. you go ahead. Sorry. Did not mean to interrupt. I mean, crucially, this game is only published by Amazon, not de- developed by right. it. It's right. actually being developed by a team in Korea who are supposedly fairly well regarded. So maybe this mm-hmm. one has a better chance. It's proving once again that Final Fantasy 14 is the superior MMO. <laughs> and, oh, obviously. and also someone mentioned this actually in the Discord earlier, and I'm sorry, I forgot who it was, but someone mentioned that maybe everyone going over to Lost Ark will mean that a lot of toxic players that have been playing Final Fantasy 14 are now going to move on from Hope the game. So. so, I mean, win-win Lower the all cues. around for yeah. the Warriors of Light, in my opinion. Scions, we're winning out here. <laughs> Eric saying... <laughs> Uh, that Final Fantasy fourteen is the best just has me thinking of that meme. Where it's like, how can you say something so controversial yet so brave? So brave. <laughs> <laughs> oh, just wait. I, I am patiently waiting to uh, <laughs> to maybe bring that that game up in another conversation. So, and now it's time for our bravest and most controversial segment. Yes, it's the top twenty five RPG remake twenty twenty two integrate the segment in which we pick four more. RPGs that will go on the list of nominees for the top 25 RPG countdown, the new one, the remake. We've added a lot of amazing games to this point. We added Dragon Age Inquisition. Yes, um, go and listen to the episode where I defend it. it it's good. We've added Dark Souls. We've added, uh, what else did we add, Nadia? <laughs> Many other games. Now I'm blanking because you asked. We me. got Bloodborne. I mean, last week, That's so we right. added Bloodborne, Dragon Quest Builders 2. Mm-hmm. Uh, we added, I had the document up a second ago and now you're calling me on it. Fantasy Star uh, Online, which was yeah, Brian's yeah. Uh, contribution, which was a great oh, that's one. A, good one. a wonderful yeah. defense of Fantasy Star Online. And then I threw uh, Final Fantasy X into the mix as well. I almost debated doing X2. I might still nominate we have 10 Undertale 2 as well. On there. We were missing Undertale. Is there now? Yeah. I mean, there. it's wild looking at the list that we have every week and going, we have nominated a lot of games already, but there's still even more to nominate. So many more. 
And we've got four more this week. And I'm going to start with you, Nadia, because you have oh, a this profoundly <laughs> wild nomination. Just the most... It is... It's special. Just like you, Nadia. So, oh, Nadia... sweet. Nadia, you're special. What is your nomination? I went ahead and I nominated Pokemon Legends Arceus. <laughs> Yeah. I stand by this. Nadia so just hard. wants to watch the world burn. Beautiful. I absolutely want to watch it burn. Beautiful. And I think I have a case here because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. everyone loves it. Yes, it's not the best looking game on earth, but I think it's quite excellent in how it really immerses you in Pokemon's world. It's still an RPG, but it feels even more like an RPG, just the way that mm-hmm. the world really sucks you in. Like the Pokemon walk around everywhere and you beating them with the ball and like them getting pissed off mm-hmm, and charging mm-hmm. at you and slamming you against the wall. I had, mm-hmm. I had an encounter with a Snorlax, put it that way. So mm-hmm. I just think that is one of Game Freak's most ambitious titles. And I, I almost feel like they're letting their hair down a bit. And we talked a little bit about this last week, I think it was, when mm-hmm, mm-hmm. maybe it was you, Eric, who said that basically this is, po- this is Pokemon or, or Game Freak saying, okay, Pokemon is such a cluster F because of the multiplayer element of it. Yeah. Let's yeah. strip it down we're going this is what pokemon single player is and this is what it should mm-hmm. be and i think for the most part they really succeeded in making it a really good uh single player pokemon experience and i just really i'm not done it because I'm, I'm playing it very slowly because i keep getting distracted by everything else going on in the mm-hmm. world and i think the idea of of chronicling pokemon instead of just catching them once and being done with it i love that Mm -hmm. i love Mm -hmm. the fact that every pokemon i catch does something it goes to some static unlocks some sort of uh you know piece of information i just think it's a really excellent game and game freak was allowed to loosen up a bit and do maybe what they want to do with pokemon for a long time now yeah so you really like like this game nadia like you're into it i like it i think it's really good yeah when I think of yeah. Pokemon Legends Arceus, I think of this meme that I saw not too long ago on, I think, the gaming subreddit, which was, uh, it said, I think it said Pokemon fans or RPG fans were like, Pokemon Legends Arceus, hell yeah, I love it. And then it said open world gamers, and like, they were making kind of an, an expression, which I, I, to be fair, I don't really trust what Pokemon or open world gamers like anyway so no, i'm no, not going to not an open world game though it's, yeah. it's I'm really not gonna, monster i'm not going to put too much stuff i mean superficially it looks kind of like an open world game if you think a about little. it for a hot second it's not it's not contiguous so that's that's the main difference yeah but you can yeah. still like explore to your heart's content i am hunter rank two it has also been a very slow game for me because i've been very busy with a lot of other things i don't hate it but also it's kind of washed over me. It's almost like an ASMR game for me mm. where I go out into the field, I go out and I'm like, oh, new Pokemon. I'll just creep after you and caught. Yay, I caught you. Or I'll do kind of a trivial battle and I'll fight them. And it's nice. I mean, the open world could be a lot prettier, mm. <laughs> obviously. Um, I had a friend over who's a game developer and she was just dunking constantly on weird purple uh texture mm-hmm. errors mm-hmm. and that kind of thing oh the and green you know, it's gas kind of is so weird yeah yeah like the the actual core gameplay is fun but also not the kind of core gameplay where i'm like truly feeling like i can sink my teeth into it it's just kind of a yeah, this is nice so anyway yeah, but i'm glad that you more. Really you might like it, it. I, mean, I mean i, got I the, have been i'm still playing i, I, I beat i beat you got the, the uh, yeah 
I beat the uh, the first boss. I was like, that was fun. Yeah. So no, I don't know. Going. Like, yeah, I'm still going. I'm not. I'm not giving up on it. I'm not. It's just there's just something maybe missing. Maybe it feels like it just it feels like a really cool prototype. Is what it feels like to me so far. So. I think uh, Arceus cool, cool holds idea. too many of its cards until the end. Mm. And that's what I mm. think, because the moment that won me over, that got me on board with this game, that would make me agree with Nadia that this deserves discussion for our top picks of all time happens after the credits roll <laughs> uh, and <laughs> is in like the epilogue of that game. But it is incredible. It is very well done. And it is a vision of of what pokemon could be in the future and again like i like i said earlier and like you referenced nadia it it uh getting rid of multiplayer getting rid of battle league getting rid of all the structures and stuff i think like all the stuff that that i like though (laughs) like i got into pokemon because i like those elements you have so many other pokemon games you can go do that in i know play those (laughs) yeah but when you take all of that but when you take all of that away i'm like oh okay this is a -a collectathon neat like i feel I, I don't want to feel like I'm slagging on Pokemon Legends Arceus too mm, much because mm-hmm. I am enjoying it. I find it very relaxing in a kind mm-hmm. of a zen-like way. Actually, what we talked about when you were gone, and I think uh, this might be what you're getting at, is those of us who wanted Pokemon to be a world would have the lore, have stuff you could live in. We're very happy. People like you who want to kick five-year-olds asses, you're not as happy. Mm -hmm. You want to beat kids up and take their lunch money. Jeez, now it's getting personal. God. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying it's it's okay to kick a five-year-old's ass at Pokemon. Cat hasn't denied it yet. Important point. Cat is offended, but Cat has not denied it yet. (laughs) I'm sorry, Cat. I really like lore, and I really like a good world. (laughs) I happen to love Dragon Quest XI. I finally got into it after some time. It's a great game. I need to go go back to that. I feel like the concept needs to be one where I can truly become engaged with it, whether because of the lore or because of the world or because of the mechanics. And I haven't felt like there was a point where this game has truly hooked me. I'm Mm -hmm. waiting for that moment. I'm not out on it. I'm not out on it. I'm still playing it, but I'm still waiting for the moment where I'm like, yes, I'm all in on this game. So that's it what did I'm take saying. you a while to get hooked on Dragon Quest Eleven. So mm-hmm. it did. It could happen. It did. But you know, I, I feel like maybe it was a pandemic or something. Like maybe it was reading Lord of the Rings that just made my brain more receptive for a game like Dragon Quest Eleven at right. a certain point. And mm-hmm. I was like, that makes sense. Yeah. Anyway, interesting choice, Nadia, and I'm really glad that it's like hitting Spicy you at, like in such a positive way. That's really awesome, and it gives me hope. Yeah, it's that a great game. I'm, it makes me excited to see too. what they'll do next. Me too. Like I would be kind of excited to play a Legends Arceus too, because as you said, it was kind of Game Freak being interesting. And so far, I think it's kind of a really neat prototype, but it does make me excited for a sequel. Eric, what's your choice? Well, I do have. I just want to, as a rule of of form, uh, now that Arceus is in, can I start nominating Death Stranding now? Is that allowed? (laughs) Oh my god! (laughs) One's an actually an RPG. Is the difference? Uh, I'm just saying, you know, I, I feel like Norman Reedus really grows in that game. But uh, <laughs> no, my my nomination uh, this week is another one that I went looking at the list is an all timer for me. I could not believe was on our list. I, I don't even have to pitch it very hard. I feel it's it, it's a little game by Square Enix for the Nintendo DS. You may or may not know it called The World Ends With You. Yes, it's The World Ends With You. It, it is the best DS RPG 
it is a brilliant brilliant game it is stylish it is filled with just life and vigor it is another death game you know i think the ds was a really good system if you wanted like really dour rpgs about people (laughs) dying uh but i loved i mean and if i'm going to nominate one it's going to be the original ds version i think the switch version is serviceable for the need that it needs to serve and i actually think neo does a a game that needs two screens it's just it was made for the the ds need the puck going back and forth it's it's so critical to what that game does because it just it splits your brain it's so cool when it finally clicks and now you're thinking in it's that you know now you're thinking with portals moment yeah in an rpg where you are now operating on two different screens and watching the puck kind of go back and forth and thinking about all your combos up here and down there and you're doing all kinds of stuff just ruining the hell out of that bottom screen with your silence just really scratching (laughs) that um the music's incredible i think the story is fantastic i think it's a story that really really works uh that that does a good job of bringing its whole ideas together and creating a good one shot uh which is something that i really like when when developers like square enix or when developers like any anyone large does something like this where they can create a good one shot like this uh i I dig it so um yeah world ends with you it's it's fantastic i defend it yeah, I think it's a good choice, especially the time that it came out. It came out uh, at a moment when uh, there wasn't a lot of hope for JRPGs, and that was a nice, bright, shining hope as well. Mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. loved that game, and I've said it before because I was living in Japan at that time, and Shibuya was the place I enjoyed hanging out the most. And it so wonderfully captures the energy mm-hmm. of that right. neighborhood and the culture and the vibes of it. It is... Mm-hmm one of the top it's a top five nintendo ds game if not the best mm-hmm. nintendo ds game it holds up magnificently and i'm a little sad that the ports uh haven't been quite yeah. as good as the yeah. original nintendo ds game mm-hmm. but by and large as a as a concept i absolutely adored it so i haven't gotten around to finishing uh the sequel uh, the sequel either doesn't it hit the hit same, the same. no doesn't it didn't hit the same yeah, yeah and, and that's the weird part. And I think there's a lot of reasons for that that we could go into on another podcast. But uh, I I really like that original game. I think Neku is a really cool, interesting character that they do a lot with. He seems like he's going to be your typical JRPG protagonist. But I think the directions they take with this character are very, very good, very interesting. And a lot of the supporting cast is also excellent in that game, too. And it's just it's vibes. You know, you think of that. I put The World Ends With You up there with like Splatoon in terms of capturing this feeling of culture and that sort of like vibrant living culture of of fashion and music and Mm -hmm. punk attitude different attitudes and styles all coming together into one thing and morphing around each other the way that they can all play off each other at the same time and it turns it into rpg mechanics that's the coolest part is it takes the feeling of pop culture and turns it into rpg mechanics i've only ever seen one other rpg do quite as well and that's another one i'll probably be nominating pretty soon for the top 25 so i'm intrigued i look forward Ooh. to that I'm intrigued my pick is also a jrpg surprise surprise um this week i am nominating xenogears which oh, is nice. uh, you know i was thinking about it if we're talking about mitsuda's best soundtrack i think it's still xenogears i mm. absolutely love a lot of the music uh, especially the battle music it's way better than chrono cross i mean 
Does Dino Gears have anything on the level of the music that plays with the credits in Chrono Cross? Hell no, but uh, it's still an amazing game. I think Xenogears is emblematic of JRPGs at their most, their boldest and their most ambitious. This was a time where these creators were taking the, uh, the the technology at hand on like the PlayStation and everything and being like, what can we do with this? How big of a story can we tell? And they went for it in terms of the storytelling, a story that spans history, as it were. And there's so many twists and turns and interesting you know, revelations throughout. I actually kind of like the battle system, especially the, the beat-em-up hand battle system. It's very satisfying and fun. The 2D graphics are really cool. Once you get to the point where you get the Omni Gears and all of the characters are powering up, uh, the battle system is really awesome, in my opinion. Uh, does it fall apart in the second disc? Hell yeah. But <laughs> it hmm. is an incredibly memorable RPG for a reason. It there's a reason that people still think about it to this day. Like it really sticks with you as a game. Mm. Like, so yeah, I think, uh, I, I, I don't know. Xenogears is going to make the top 25, but I don't know. I, it's kind of a conversation I want to have. So yeah, adding no, it to for the sure. list. I think it's a good conversation to have. I think that it's a good potential, uh, entry into the, into the RPG pantheon. Cause mm. Uh, as you said, it was just so ambitious. And that's why it fell mm-hmm. apart in the second disc, mind you. But uh, hell, it had that, that... Who was the name of that sexy guy with the gun? Um, the oh, priest, yeah, Billy, I love him. Billy. Everyone the, was into Billy. him when I was in high school. It was, it was Billy, right? Billy yeah. something or other, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Everyone was into him when I was uh, in high school. He was kind of hot. Yeah. I, I played that game when I was in high school, and um, I really hated the Tower of Babel. <laughs> <laughs> so much oh my gosh but i i played it all the way through the end it it held my interest in a way that say legend of dragoon did not so and uh, uh, there is a, a fluffy pink thing that gets crucified oh yeah that's one of the Choo-choo most memorable moments sins. in rpg history right yeah absolutely the, all, the thing i remember most about that game is jeremy Parrish tearing it down and writing these some fantastic essays about how screwed up the game was <laughs> it was right <laughs> it is screwed up oh it's amazing yep uh, I think it's kind of the er JRPG. Like everything Absolutely. you associate with RPGs, that's the one. Like fighting, fighting the church and everything. Heavy religious themes. We were always killing God, but by it was only Xenogears when we started killing God. Capital like K, capital G. Finally, you know, trademark. As desert pirates who are in a desert submarine, it's rad. Land ship. So that's my pick, Xenogears. It's a good and pick. the community pick. I mean, come on. Live Alive. The community pick this week is Live Alive. Yep, this is what Verona says. Live Alive's a fascinating game that's kind of a short story anthology that leads to a cohesive ending featuring all the characters, which to me basically does what Octopath Traveler tried to do like over a decade later, only it did better, more cohesively. And now it's coming out in North America. It's getting the HD2D treatment. I think that Live Live has a chance to jump up in all of our esteem because it's kind of the Lost Square classic. So I'm very excited to be revisiting this last this one and the way that it inspires so much passion. Um, I think it's a great choice uh, to be on the list of our top 25 RPG remake 2022. So thanks to everybody for submitting. There's still lots more on the list, but hey, go ahead and keep adding 
more to list. I saw Suikoden 3 got tossed in there just recently. So we'll see. Uh, all the games that we end up picking here are the ones that go on the list, by the way. So you can mm-hmm. make suggestions for games that we're going to pick, but we're only going to pick four each week uh, to be on the list. And then in June, we will return and we will do a big old discussion podcast rumble. We will fight. Where we will build a new top 25. It'll be great. We cannot wait. Okay. And now... It's time to journey into Nadia's Nostalgia Nook or Pit. I wonder which one it's going to be. Nadia, is it a Nook or a Pit this week? Uh, It depends on your viewpoint of how you feel about using people. We're either of you did either you do <laughs> did either of you do that thing where you kind of make friends with someone so you can play the Nintendo. Now, in my defense, okay, here's how it started. I was I don't know ten, whatever whatever age I was when Nintendo kind of came out and became popular, and I really really loved Nintendo so much. But family couldn't really afford one, so I could only play it at friends' houses whenever they like had it. And my brother had a friend, and he was going over to a sleepover at that friend's house and this friend was loaded and <laughs> I went with my dad to drop him off so we get there, we're talking with the family because we kind of know them and this girl the sister of the family who i never played with in my life just said like I want Nadia to stay over too and, and we'll have a sleepover and normally I'd say no w- what the hell, go away uh, I don't want to talk to you but I remembered the family had a Nintendo so I'm like yeah mm. I, I want to stay here tonight please so, so my brother says to me, you know, she's just using you to kind of show up her brother, right? And I said, I don't care. I'm going to play Nintendo. So, yeah, we did. We went downstairs in the basement. I, I vividly remember it was like, you know, just really cold, really dark. One Nintendo just kind of shining in the darkness. And we played Mario 1 all all night long and got really stuck on that that level with the flying fish. But I just thought it was a nice memory kind of tainted memory because it wasn't like we were friends. It wasn't like we were meeting in the most incredible warmest of circumstances, but I got to play Nintendo and that's what counts. So that's my that's my story for today, which is not as disastrous as most of them, but still kind of fun. No crimes committed. So I no feel crimes like we are committed. Can, we can I, I think this nook. was yeah. I'm gonna say nook. Yeah. 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 That was a nook. That was a Judges nook. say <laughs> and I think it's quite wholesome. Mm-hmm. Because I think out of all of us, Nadia has the purest love of video games. I and kind it, of it, do. <laughs> it is shown right there. It's like, oh, get to go play Nintendo. Oh, my God. And Nadia, I'm going to make an admission. I was the same way. If Aww. I knew that a friend had a Nintendo or a Super oh. Nintendo, oh, yeah. I was like, oh, yeah. Are you kidding me? <laughs> there were no, people absolutely. that I definitely was friends with. Because they had video game consoles that I yep. couldn't access otherwise. Mm-hmm. Let's let's just admit it just outright. Just using you for the Nintendo. It's yeah. fine. It's all good. We all did it. It's okay. I had friends that came <laughs> over because they knew I had two PCs so we could play StarCraft and Red Alert and stuff like that. And that was the relationship we had. Some blossomed into friendships. Some didn't, you know. But that's, yeah. that's the way it goes sometimes. <laughs> Yep, I had a weird friend who just wanted to be my friend because she wanted to play Donkey Kong Country. I said, all right, well, it's a cool mm-hmm. game. I can't blame mm-hmm. you. My dad always said how strange it was that he would walk into a room 
and find me playing a video game while my friend was watching silently. And my dad would be like, boy, that's weird. Little did he know that <laughs> Twitch would end up being a thing. I was going to so. say, all, my, mm-hmm. all my, my nieces and nephews do is watch other people play video games. <laughs> Children. All right. So thank you so much for taking us into Nadia's Nostalgia Nook this week. And now let's wrap up with some random encounters. All right, let's go through the headlines really quickly. First of all, Elden Ring previews are out, the final previews, and honestly, looking pretty good. Eric, have you been reading any of the previews for Elden not, Ring? Are I'm you not looking. Them? I'm on media blackout. It's media time. Media blackout. The, the, everything's down. I know I'm going to play it. I know I want to play it, so no more learning. I just want to know if I can, like, there's a really sick part of those trailers where a dragon throws a, a lightning bolt, and I want to know if I can do that too. That's all I want to know. If I can throw, throw back, lightning catch bolts. it and throw it back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sifu let me do that. Let me catch bottles and throw them back. Can I catch his lightning and throw it back? That's all I want to know. Otherwise, I'm all set. But in the meantime, the Dark Souls servers are down uh, until great. after Oops. Elden Ring comes out. It's kind of a wild story going on right now with that huge mm-hmm. exploit and everything. So on PC, so uh, on PC. I am buying it on PlayStation Five. <laughs> Never play on PC. That's the rule. Platinum wants to resurrect Scalebound. I bet they do. It means more money for them. Uh, Final Fantasy VI Pixel Remaster is out February 23rd, and that grass sure is um, neon green. I think it was Alex Donaldson, friend of the show, who was like, puts up a screenshot. It's like, look how green this is. Why is this Chernobyl? And I said <laughs> something like, it's not three Ronkins in lock. Talk about taking your momentum out of your sales by announcing that and then showing off an HD 2D live alive at a Nintendo <laughs> Direct and just obvious comparisons to be made there. For sure. Disgaea 6 will be on the PS5, PS4, and PC with all of the DLC. And the Lord of the Rings film and game rights are up for sale for $2 billion. That's a lot of money. Uh, also want to note here some housekeeping our new goal after 6,000 is now $2 billion uh, for so you can buy the Lord of the Rings <laughs> I'm into it well, what would you want to do with these deals uh, with these rights all I want to do is keep them out of Amazon's hands that is a good plan I'd make a Diablo style game set in the Lord of the Rings universe that would be awesome That's I'd play come that. on. Yeah, they already did it once with the, the Game Boy games and now do it to the scale that you could make like a Diablo three with those. Come on, come on, print money. And I'd bring back battle for middle earth. And finally, Phil Spencer wants Starfield to be the most played Bethesda game ever. And so. I want a candy bar, but we can't all get what we want. Phil Spencer. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I mean, I would be kind of surprised if we said, you know, I don't think we're ever going to catch Skyrim <laughs> with this game. Yeah, basically. <laughs> People are like, Note that he said played, most played, instead of most purchased, because he wants engagement forever. And I'm mm-hmm. like, yeah, I, I guess, sure. Yeah, everyone's going to buy it on Game Pass anyway. It's it's going to do well. Mm-hmm. Friend of the show, Reb, made a good point uh, about MLB The Show recently, pointing out that, yeah, just because a game is selling on multiple platforms, you're still going to be looking at new video games and seeing $70 on PlayStation 5 or free day one on Game Pass. And... 
that's going to be a real hitter in the next year or two. Well, we'll just wrap up very quickly with a mailbag question. This one's from Pash. With the previous announcement of Dragon Quest 3 HD 2D and now with Live Alive getting the same treatment, what other Square games would you like most to see get an HD 2D remake? Well, Pash, that's a great question because I think the answer is obvious. If they ever announced an HD 2D Valkyrie profile, you would never mm. see me again mm-hmm. because that's the only video game I want anymore. So <laughs> that would be it. I would be fine with some quality of life improvements. They didn't mess up with the mess with the graphics too much. It would be lovely. My heart would sing. Does it have to be square? Do we have to do square? Do I have to? What pick game would square? you want? What is it? Command and Conquer. <laughs> no, no, we already got that. Don't Tim worry. Curry, HD, 2D, uh, HD, Command and Conquer. No, no, I would How about want Starcraft. I would want Lunar Silver, uh, oh, Silver Star uh, Story Complete, whatever. Like yeah, or Lunar Two, but probably Lunar One. I'd like a little bit more. If not that, Chocobo's Mystery Dungeon, baby, let's go. <laughs> oh my god! Oh wow! Okay. I still kind of wish they they just kind of done the treatment with Final Fantasy VI. And yeah. they're, they're doing it with the mm-hmm. opera scene, which is like, okay, thanks for that. I actually, that's cool. But I really would have liked to see the whole game like that. Uh, mm-hmm. Probably mm-hmm. more than Live or Live, to be honest with you. Live Alive, whatever. But I'm also glad that an obscure game's coming out in such a fantastic manner. So, hey, good. But I really wanted Final Fantasy VI to happen, especially given how close Octopath Traveler takes his inspiration from VI. Mm-hmm. It just, I don't know. I feel like it was a missed opportunity. And now we got Chernobyl glass. The uh, the graphics in the Pixel remasters are very hit and miss, aren't they? They kind of are. They'd mm-hmm. look fine if they weren't next to freaking Live Alive in that HD 2D. That's, That's the thing that the baffles thing, me yeah. is like they're, they're coming out here and they're like, here's our Final Fantasy Pixel remaster collection. You're like, yeah, that looks like Final Fantasy. You, you know, you did some nice stuff to touch it up and then here's live alive hd2d and you're like so y'all can do that and you're not doing it over here but you're doing it over there why aren't That's you doing square. it over here <laughs> it's a weird choice by square but they've never made particularly good choices with their classic properties but they are making a front mission remake so, so give them there that, you go. that much hope so it's a good thing okay. my love fingers yeah. crossed everything's forgiven And on that note, that's all the time we have for this week. Thank you so much for joining us. We always appreciate having you here. We're going to head over to the post show with our live audience in just a few minutes. But in the meantime, if you enjoyed the show, once again, thank you so much. Go ahead and rank and review us on the podcast of your choice. You can follow me on Twitter at the underscore cap. Nadia's at Nadia Oxford and Erica's at Simusi, S-E-A-M-O-O-S-I. And Acts of the Blood God is at Blood God Pod. Bloodoutpod.com is our website, and we're on Twitter at Bloodoutpod as well. We have a Patreon. If you enjoy the show, please go ahead and support us. It keeps the show going. Makes it, yeah, like we we really appreciate any contributions that you can possibly make. Patreon.com slash Bloodoutpod. And if we hit the $60 more, we'll get to do a tabletop RPG. So It's going to happen. It's going to happen. Something's going to happen. Looking forward to it. But we'll be back next week, as always, to talk more about the genre we love. But until then, for Nadia, Eric, myself, thanks for listening, and happy adventuring. Happy adventuring.